Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Break, break, break. Bulldog 7, this is Blue 1. Troops in contact. Coordinates to follow. Platoon location as follows. Papa, uniform. you checked out Aussie Strength? It's a company that makes legit workout equipment, and it's a veteran-owned business who are not only controlling the narrative, but controlling the market. These guys put as much passion and effort into their business as they put into their military service. They have rigs, bumper plates, in fact, thousands of things on their website for all you fitness fanatics. If you're considering fitting out a home gym or a large-scale industrial-type gym, then they've got everything you need. And you just have to check out their website. It's amazing. I'm not joking. I approached these guys to do an advert for them. Truly. I was that impressed by their company. Check out the website. And if you use the code WARRIOR10, that's WARRIOR10, you'll get 10% off your purchase. That's Aussie Strength. Check out their Instagram too. Some great motivational content. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Warrior You Podcast with your host, Bram Connolly. Join Bram as he uncovers what is to be a modern-day warrior on and off the battlefield, covering such topics as human performance, emotional intelligence, resilience, mental toughness, epigenetics, neuroplasticity, philosophy, and much, much more. Warrior U, it's the performance advantage. And don't forget to check out Mentors for Military Podcasts. So, Paul Kale. Yes, when did you feel like you were fighting for your life? Well, that would be a day that you were at the same place. Okay. And that was, yeah. I think um, there was a couple of times, but I think I think Sabat was a place that uh, stays with me, Sabat Calais. Mm. A battle that some don't like to talk about. Mm. It's good that it's in a book now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Chris, Chris Masters. Chris Masters did a good job with that. Mm. But, um, You're right, though. It is getting lost in history, but it is a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just one battle of a lot of battles that two commando and four hour commando were involved in. To be fair, it is. But it was the it, most decorated. It was the most violent battle that I was in. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. what the most decorated since Vietnam or something? So I'm told. Five, so. five, five country awards. Yeah. Yeah. So what in particular was? I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that you've done in your career that that has seen you you know, think that you're fighting for your life. Mm. But you were in, I think, for, for my money, looking back on that and when we when we talked about it, um, in particular, it was the fact that you had other people in your team relying on you to not only fight but also to make, you know, the right decisions at the right time because obviously I wasn't making those decisions for you. They're decisions that had to be made for you, for your team, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Look, I think the reason Sabat stays with me a lot is, like, there's a lot of battles but we always had the mutual support. We always, it was sort of like someone's involved in the battle and there's people sort of overseeing the battle and supporting the main effort. But that was just everyone was caught up in something. So talk us through it. And I know that we were affected by um, weight in helos yeah, with right. the altitude and so forth. Yep. So, I, you know, we, we were much smaller than a platoon. Mm. Um, we, we tried to go as a platoon identity, but, you know, we had to be what, two teams short, really. And mm. the teams were sort of short on manpower in itself. Mm. So it was kind of like a PHQ with a couple of teams. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and that was because, you know, we tended to trap a guy and, and deal with, a P, you know, his PSD. And yeah, it was right up in the mountain. Yeah. Mm. So it was and right on limits of what we could achieve. Of what we could achieve. Mm. And, you know, we, we thought we're doing one thing and we landed in the middle of a hornet's nest because these guys were, you know, at their meeting point. Yeah. And what's the funniest thing is, oh, funny. It wasn't funny at the time. But the interesting thing 
was that we had been getting briefs about these guys, these commissioners from Pakistan um, who controlled Afghanistan, if you like, these senior people um, moving all around the place. Like, they were just this thing that kept popping up in the int brief. Mm. And there's these guys that we know are in country. Ghosts. The ghosts. Mm. And then they didn't exist. one day, yeah, they didn't exist. Oh, yeah, someone will be going after them. Will be uh, one of the task force will eventually go after mm. them. CAG or some. Yeah. I don't, are you allowed to talk about CAG? Are you allowed to say the word CAG? I don't think they exist. Am it's I editing that out? Real. No, look, they, I think you actually should talk about CAG because mm. they're, they're an incredibly um, uh, good organisation. Mm. <clears throat> and um, they are an organisation that really does divert their successes to other units mm. like they really do go by mm. maintaining a low profile and mm. giving other people credit for their work and so forth they're very serious about that and um you know i and and you know i've worked with a lot of different people and i've mm. got a lot of respect for navy seals and so on and we just you know you're not going to say that the navy seals didn't that they weren't responsible for Osama bin Laden, are you? Oh, no, they were responsible for Osama bin Laden. Yeah, but okay. I think the head of uh, American SOCOM at the time was Navy. Mm. So he was sending in SEAL Team 6, okay. whereas that would be a job probably that normally CAG would mm. have got. Yeah. What I'm saying is um, since then there's been a lot of okay. Navy SEAL, Navy SEAL, a lot of, and there's been some movies mm. with guys who I've actually mm. I've worked with who are in those movies like... Mm. Uh, Act of Valor and stuff. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the whole American thing. I, I think it's fantastic. Mm. I mean, I've got some of my best mate. My kids are half American, for God's sake. Like, I, I love the stuff. I, I love, America's an amazing place. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, these units mm. that do run low profiles and do um, want to make sure that no one, you know, they, they don't want they to mu- be They no muddy one. the water deliberately. Yeah, they muddy the water deliberately, and, and you anyway, should I, never forget that... I know it wasn't CAG there in Zabakalay, so let's go back to that. It was us in Zabakalay. <laughs> <laughs> so... And and obviously, it was because, uh, yeah, yeah it was, we landed on something that we weren't expecting. Yeah, and, and they uh, didn't land what? in the right spot. So we what happened is yes. they were meant to land on the outside of these buildings, yep. and because the helicopters, the pilots, you know, had a bit of free reign of the LZs, they landed on the insides of these buildings, and the next thing you know, we're all trapped. Yeah, there was, it was thirteen and it was PKMs one, and it was one up. Mm. I think they came in. Yeah, that's right. They were meant sure. to be at LZ, and they, they had an alternate, mm. and they hit the alternate for I can't remember why. But they all did. Every yeah, aircraft. they they just went straight over the top of the primary mm. LZ, which would have allowed us to walk onto the target, mm. which, quite frankly, we might have lost. I mean, they would have. Mm. They had um, OPs out and so forth, mm. observation posts, you know, mm. out and. Um, we could have quite easily missed them. Yeah. But we landed on top of them, which yeah. was kind of good because they all caught up in the middle of it as well. Yeah, I got, I got out of the aircraft. Because we get shot at from, I, from the air. I got out of mine, was, was running towards the gunfire, and we, we went into this orchard and came across flip-flops, prayer mats, towels, dudes who had just been washing and, and praying. Yeah. And they'd left it, and now, <coughs> now they, they were, were moving quickly. Yeah. We surprised them. I mean... People were doing um, mm. personal admin, mm. prayers, all that bizzo, and they were up and moving. And there was a lot mm. of mats and a lot of stuff just laying around. Mm. There was a lot of people there who who were um, getting their weapons and getting their stuff sorted because we've just sort of landed on top of them. Sometimes the Bravo team, so that the, the admin team, for use of a worse word, you know, worse paragraph, whatever oh, you want to call it. It's but, good to go. But the, the Bravo team's are unsung hero sometimes. But in that on that particular day, like you had to fight your way all the way to get towards one of the guys who was shot, didn't you, to help Kazavak him? Yeah, and, and when you say what do you remember from your perspective, mm. the first birds that were coming in, um, if you can imagine um, for the you know people listening, the first helos are sort of flaring and coming in for their landing mm. and the helos behind are still sort of trailing and flaring. Mm. So the, those first helos were getting shot at mm. um, from the ground. And we were shooting out of the helos. Shooting out of the helos back at them and, and still landing. There was no aborting. It was, we're on. Um, Wasn't that awesome? I couldn't believe it when well, they still landed. I was like, that, this I, is awesome. I, I just think the pilots may... Look, mm. we were firing suppressed weapons from mm. the helos. 
I know one of the helos, the the gunner on the helo wasn't firing. He didn't even realise we were being fired upon. I don't mm, think. Mm. Um, you know, he was, you know, to be fair to him, I'm, one, one I'm, of them I'm, won an award. They did. Yeah, that's right. And I think the hundred and for those that don't know, it was the hundred and first airborne. It was no secret helo operative group. It was actually a group that moves people around. There yeah. was administrative moves. Yeah, and then and, they had uh, this SF team that they were putting yeah. into the middle of. 13 machine guns. Exactly. And they, they did a great job. And I actually think the 101st Airborne got a got a uh, some sort of commendation out of that. They, the reason is they, they came in because people don't understand that the, sometimes the planning is more important than the fighting. Mm-hmm. And we had we had planned because we were that far away from we were that far away from the Roll 2 medical facility. We had planned that our insertion helicopters, and you and I sat down and talked about this, and we said, you know, if we're, if we're that far away from aeronautical medical evacuation, then we need to use our insertion helicopters on standby at least for the first half an hour. Yeah. And when we briefed these guys this, they were like, fucking what? You, don't want us, you want us to do what with who now? We're like, we want you to stay just outside Audible, so if we get a gunshot wound, you guys can come pick it up. Yeah. And that, that was one of the sort of proudest, honestly, decisions of my career. Mm. And it, and that's exactly what happened. Mm. I mean, oh we, yeah, and they we, came we in took, hot, mate, when they came back. Oh well, <laughs> there's not many helos that are that keen on coming in yeah. under fire, yeah. which you can imagine. Mm. But uh, they're These not. They're not committed. They dude. did. They look. I think they just got amongst it. Mm. They and look, we had a great. Com, um, no, what's the, I, think I think Australian pilots would have done it, man. I do oh, think I, Australian I, I've pilots got no doubt that Australian pilots would have yeah. done it, but I think there was a real sense of, like... You know half the reason, mate? They dropped us in that, right, mm. and left us, and I reckon I reckon they were out there about 8K away doing, doing bloody figure-eight orbits going, fuck, we've just dropped these guys to their demise, you know? And then we've come back on the radio going, hey, we need, we need a, an extraction for three prior ones. Mm. And the, whoever the lead pilot was has probably gone. Fuck it, I'm gonna get these mm. dudes out. I, I they came also, back in. I, I think. Look, I think there's no <clears> doubt. Can't explain to people in so command the fact that these dudes saved those guys' lives. That yeah, day. absolutely, they did. And and um, these guys, um, you see it with pilots, always keen to to support the troops on the ground. I think they have a real sense of guys boots on the ground and supporting them, whether it's fire support or medical evacuation or whatever it is and the americans have always it's it's a weird thing it's like um we've been close allies mm. australia is the closest ally of the united states i say this to americans all the time it's it's an absolute fact we're, we're the u.s's closest ally culturally speaking we're very similar to the united states mm. they are two different countries but to be honest mm. i find uh english more alien to uh, our, our way of thinking. Yeah, you've always said that. Yeah. Uh, the, British, uh, the Americans are very similar to us. Mm. Um, we've both got our histories are similar. Both colonies. We we tried a bit of a revolution. We lost. Um, the Americans won with theirs. Um, thank you, France. By the way, don't forget that America. I know your history. You got to thank <laughs> the superpower at the time. They did a good job in supporting you. There you go. Um, there you go. One for the French and. Um, I think so, they, I think they were paid back, mate. Just quietly, they they were paid back. Yes, America, you did a great job, and you and uh, I think uh, I think the French appreciated that. I think, like it, I, I know, they appreciated the Australian effort in mm. World War One. Oh man, they appreciate. They it. love it, and uh, yeah, and even though it might have been a little bit strained over the last recent years with some politics and stuff, in the end, do politicians really represent us? No, no, they don't. Anyway, Sedgway. Let's we go are. Back. It's go, a, back. go back. Go back to Sabakale, mate. Go I told you I'd do this. We can go down that rabbit hole. I told Warren. you I'd take you back. All right. Come so on. we're back in Sabakale. The Americans did a great job. Mm. Uh, the Apache gunships did a great job. Mm. Um, now, what I was listening for as the platoon sergeant, the, my biggest thing was the well-being of the soldiers. Mm. Like, uh, so I was constantly listening, f- listening for uh, WIA mm. or KIA. Mm. And, and I had that experience mm. um, in my first tour mm. with uh, 2007 was yeah. the first shock mm. of having um, KIA coming over the radio. Yeah. And I just always was attuned to that. Now, the interesting thing in that, just to go back to um, mm. that first experience, mm. I remember being hearing WIA and someone came over the radio and it. said KIA mm. and I was like, I was, 
I was enraged that they would stuff that up, mm. WIA to KIA. But the fact is, they didn't. Know. I was caught in my own little world, like mm. almost hoping for the best. Mm. They didn't stuff it up. They just were giving an update mm. that that WIA was actually KIA, mm. and that really stayed with me. So that was a tough day in the office, wasn't it, for it, everyone involved? I had a lot of good mates that were there that day. It was a tough day in the office, mm. and so for me, once I sort of fell into that role with you as the mm. platoon sergeant. Mm. That's probably the biggest number one thing for me was our WIA. Mm. Um, so, and, and I did a lot of nine lines and we had on that three trip. Of them in, yeah. three of them in two minutes. And three in two minutes. And, mm. um, and Yeah, they had our measure. There's no doubt about it. They we, did. We were on the back foot. We were on the back foot. Mm. Um, but incredibly, like the, the lads recovered incredibly. Oh, in, and and hence, hence the amount of gallantry awards and yeah, so forth. The, every, every team commander really mm. lifted. They were fighting room to room. You know, fighting into into play. This is the thing. They were fighting from exposed positions into um, buildings to get out of those exposed positions. The same buildings that they were being suppressed from, they were fighting their way into, and then fighting an insurgent group from Pakistan in amongst women and children. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that was the day. Yeah. That was what we did. And um, yeah. you know that one year on team before we turned over. Mm. Was when it? I say on team again, for those that don't know. In the Australian Army, uh, for anyone from the US. So where domestic sort of counterterrorism, uh, you'd be looking at the FBI hostage recovery side of the house. The Australian Army does that. Mm. So we don't have those same rules. Mm. That's what happens when you don't win your war of revolution. Um, <laughs> the crown, the crown's happy. So. Are you? Are you? Is this a rehearsal for for your Jocko? Sorry, for your Joe Rogan podcast? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at uh, all. I, look, I, I just I'll I, tag Joe. I, I just find it. I just find it funny. Mm. That's what I was listening for, and when I heard it, my heart sunk. Mm. To be honest, and then we grabbed. Uh, I think what we did when you say, "Well, how did that play out?" We landed, and. The snipers with me, I think, did the same thing as the snipers with you. They wanted to go to high, mm. to a high point, mm. just to, to start dominate, to dominate, dominating the mm. space. Smart, mm. and that made total sense to me. And I mm. said, "Go!" And I mm. think you did exactly the same mm. with your sniper, who said, yeah. "On his own, I want to mm. get to high ground." Yeah. Again, small group of guys. One guy had to behave in a way that, mm. as if they were a team in themselves. Mm. You had to just think, yeah, mate. You know, you need to look after your own security because we can't do it. Yeah, I guess for the, for and any they, platoon, they just any it. platoon commanders listening from wider infantry or guys who are considering being platoon commanders in the future, or, or anyone who's interested in tactics, for every for every injured guy we chucked on a helicopter, we put a combat medic on with him, a patrol medic or a corps of medic guy if we had one, mm. which meant that our commando force was getting, for every one guy, we were losing two. Mm. And then one of those guys just happened to be a sniper because we ran out of medics, and one of our snipers was a medic. So my sniper pair turned into one guy, and then Jimmy took off into the hills, and then all you heard every 15 minutes was... Yeah. <laughs> so you'd know where he was. And every time you hear that from a sniper, you know what that means, so... <clears throat> Yeah. But um, yeah, that was a. I mean, it was a. It was almost like, and in some ways, combat is free economics. Mm. You know what I mean? It's an. It's it's all about numbers and mm. economics and mm. things happening and you having a second, third order effect. Mm. You know, plan lined up, and that's what the Zabat Calais for me was less about my leadership and more about our planning the day before. Mm. and then following a bouncing ball for that plan. Does that well, make sense? It it does. The other thing too is that. <clears throat> We're not meeting the rules of of battle, you know. You want to you want to have reserves, and you want to hold your reserves to the, that final safe moment where you can uh, um, yeah. have your reserves right. have an effect on the battlefield. Mm. We had none. No, the Australian Army fights three to one. We fight we, three to one. We, and we were we fighting were one to three. We, yeah, we were the ones, and they were the threes or yeah. whatever so, numbers. So our force multiplier on the battlefield that day was aggression. I was going to say that aggression is what made the difference. We just, but that's no that's no mistake, is it, mate? No, that's because it's something that you did. It's something that I asked you to do for the platoon in mm. the months leading up to that, which is, yeah. hey, every every night that we're in here, we're going to roll on the mat. Yeah, we're, we're going, going to learn just, to fight. Yeah, we're just going to combat mindset. Combat mindset, and just have everyone feel everyone's. The individual is the weapon. Everything, right everything else is just an enabler. Let's, M4 is an enabler. So let's, yeah. let's move on from Zabat Calais because let's go, let's talk about combat mindset. 
Okay. What the fuck is it? Yeah, good question. For me, it's just the grit of not accepting an outcome. Right. So, you know, you're telling me I've lost. I'm telling you I've not lost until there's nothing left in the tank. Mm. And when I say nothing, for combat, nothing left in the tank for me is when I'm dead. Mm. So I say this a lot to guys. If I'm alive, I can kill you. If I, if I can, you know, I, you may have shot me, I've dropped... Sure, I need to recover, but if I'm alive, I can af- have an effect on the battlefield. Mm. If I'm dead, then it's who done. cares? It's mm. done, mm. and and I've died a glorious death off the Valhalla. I go. Do you so, need to be? You know, do you it. need to be a competent? Do you need to be competently trained as a fighter, so skilled, traditionally skilled, whatever, to have combat mindset? I think you need to be confident in the skills that you have. Mm. So that's an, so I haven't skirted around what you said. Mm. What I've said. I need to believe in my skill sets. Mm. So whether I'm an infantry soldier, whatever it is, I need to know that the skill sets that I've been given, artillery, whatever it is, is the best in that field that I can be given. Mm. If I believe that, and and this science has been done at the Australian Institute of Sport, Mm. that's a massive part of the self-belief system is believing that your skills are good to go. Mm. You actually have a... You, it actually enhances your capability. Does that mean you need to replicate combat to have that mindset? You need to replicate it, but the paradox of combat training mm. is you're training you for something that you it. cannot actually do. So I need to have people prepared to fight a battle, mm. and we need nobody to die mm. in that during that preparation. Mm. And and you know we special forces units in particular push training to the edge mm. to the point where people do die in training. Mm. I mean, you don't want that to happen, but it has happened. Mm. We've been very fortunate in that we've had um, very few people mm. die in training. I think one mm. die in training. We've had people injured in training. Mm. Um, our, our cousins on the other side of the coast mm. have had a lot of people die in training. And mm. I'll say this, not... That, now, when I say that, I don't want people to think, well, hang on, one unit to this and one unit to that. Our unit benefited from the lessons they learned. Right, yeah. So they trained and helped us mm. become who we are. Mm. Uh, that's SAS, mm. uh, SASR, Australian Special Air Service Regiment. They were given the task to train us. Now, whether some individuals didn't want that to happen or mm. not is irrelevant. In the end, that unit helped did, our did unit. To, they did a yeah. good job and they stood us up. Mm. Now... Um, and a lot of lessons that they learnt uh, through their own guys being killed in training was carried over to our unit to avoid that from happening. So, mm. yeah, don't sit back and think, well, one unit this and mm. one unit that. Mm. We, no. we benefit from... Man, from I'm so sick of that shit. Oh, I'm couldn't so give rat's sick ass. of that shit. Couldn't couldn't rat's ass. All this shit getting played out in the media I mean, is all these people's I was agenda. big on it in the early days. All I wanted mm. people to know is, there's hey, there's mm. Australian commandos. Mm. We're not... SAS commandos, we're mm. two separate things. Mm. Anyway. But I think today it's it's a different world. Yeah, brand. Mate, we got I nothing. We're, kids, we're, we're so far out of it as well, oh, mate. Oh, yeah. Kid, kids now go, oh, I want to be a commando, I want to be... It's, you don't even think twice about mm. it. It's like uh, yeah. SBS in England and, and SAS mm. in England or, or CAG mm. or Delta mm. and SEAL Team 6, mm. you know, Dev mm. Group. Mm. It's... it's there's mm. every, every country pretty much has two mm. units that mm. are right up there. That can do stuff across the do spectrum. Do stuff across of, the spectrum. Yeah. And hey, man, kin- kinetic fighting, like kinetic fighting, yeah. the the methodology behind it, and mm-hmm. the, and the the company, and and hopefully the future that you've created for that. What what is the methodology behind kinetic fighting, and what is it that you're trying to instill in the, you know, the normal soldier or police officer or the guy on the street that need that could have everything turned upside down on him at a moment's notice? It's and it's a good question because. It's a question that I had to ask myself in creating the program. Mm. And what I wanted to do is I sat down and I thought to myself, righto, how long does it take to acquire skills? How long does it take to be uh, functional at a skill set? And the, you know, and then let's have a look at our unarmed combat program for want of a better word. Let's, you know, most people know what I'm talking about, hand-to-hand combat, whatever you want to call it. And how long do we spend on that? Mm. And the, the fact is that you know, from my martial arts experience, we were not going to get competent people out of the amount of time we spent on mm. it. So what are we doing? Are we ticking a box? Is it, is it, 
Is it to meet the requirement of pay trade? Is it to have a high five? Hey, I did the, mm. the close quarter fighting course. For me, it was nothing like that. It was about, well, if we're serious about this, so it needs to address the holes and the gaps and the issues that it's been set up to address. Yeah. It can't be something that simply the government says, like we, we as a, the government, you know, the government's made up of people, so I'm part of it. If I'm, if I'm a supervisor, an instructor within a government organisation, mm. I am the government. So I can't sit there and say, hey guys, you got qualified on this, you're good to go, mm. if I don't believe that that's a fact. Mm. So for me, it's like, okay, we need to leverage off what soldiers do the most of. And what do they do the most of? Firearms. Mm. It needs to be a support mechanism to the firearm. Just like the pistol mm. is an auxiliary weapon that supports the, the long arm. When it goes down, we do a changeover drill. Mm. Almost in the same way, we need this auxiliary skill set that supports this changeover drill. Mm. And it sort of becomes something that's about getting back on the gun and... and or, or um, accessing a, a knife or what have you. Um, mm. I was very fortunate that when I put this together, it, it got a lot of momentum and I was uh, sent to the United States and I got to see what the, the different um, SF uh, or SOF, as the Americans like to say, um, Special Operations Forces, um, because obviously SF, they... They, it talks about Green mm. Berets, so Special Operations Forces were doing. And we were looking at things very differently to what the rest of the world was doing. Mm. And um, that, that had an effect. And what that was about was, well, hang on. If With guns, we like to gang up on people. We mm. like to have that three-to-one that we spoke about. Mm. Why are we not doing that in an unarmed situation? Mm. Why, why do we not gang up on people? Why, why am I not trying to get back onto weapons all the time? Why am I not mm. just practicing accessing equipment and weapons that I'm carrying on me. Mm. So as humans, you know, we don't dominate the planet because of our incredible fangs and claws and stuff like that. We dominate the planet because we have, Group. you know, opposing thumbs. We, we can pick things up, tools up, mm. just like other primates do. Mm. We have a big-ass brain mm. and we think things through and we're also able to communicate. So there's mm. probably three reasons that we dominate the planet. Language, the ability to communicate with others, uh, the ability to think through problems and problem solving and the fact that we can put tools in our hand. Yeah. So that informed me that whatever we're doing needs to incorporate those three things, which is why we dominate the planet. Yeah. So that program, our unarmed combat program, which we called integrated combat, which is now called the Army Combative Program. Mm. Let's say the Australian Army Combative Program because people started using the word combatives, which is sort of like an American word. Mm. Um, but America, you're very famous for creating new words, and I think I'm pretty sure they'll turn up in a dictionary down the track. But let's say combatives, that's how people refer to it now. But the ACP, the Army Combative Program, was, the, I guess, the final stage of that development. So that, that's been about a 10 years, 10, 11 years wow. of work. Mm. The basis of that is that the soldier is the weapon, right? Yeah, Which the I think is a really profound thing because we've never thought of it like that. No, we haven't thought of it like that. And the other thing too is, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, you'll see plenty of movies where people are like, without your firearm, you are nothing, you need... Well, that's it. Look, okay, here's, here's something. Because thing, you've got to remember jams, why... you pull out your secondary. Yeah. The secondary jams, you're looking for... A, exactly. You know, an alternate. The alternate jams, you're using your helmet. The helmet yeah. doesn't work. You're looking for your class knife. It's, yeah. it's not wrong... Mm to say that mm. like okay let's when when, it, when i hear things i don't sit there and go well you're wrong yeah or you're right it's like i'm very much the the guy who meets in the middle mm. which is why the program is being used by the army because if i never met in the middle and not just the australian army no it's been used in in it's elements have been used all around the world by different mm. armies mm. and now that elements of it have been used in movies as well mm. there's been a bit of an uptake in, yeah. in certain things are we going to talk about that in a minute Maybe, but um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, what I will tell you is um, always am interested to understand why someone says something. So mm. people would say there'd be two camps with unarmed combat. One camp would be the crazy guys who want to garrot everyone and, mm. you know, hey, well, you need to know how to be a ninja. And then the other camp would be, you know, the hunters who just want to shoot everything mm. hey if there's a problem I'll shoot it that's my solution to everything like everything's a nail let's if hit there's it with a middle hammer. ground 
there's a middle ground. It's like uh, the reason it got over the line at the start was I would say to all the shooting um, guys, absolutely, I want to shoot guys. But people don't like getting shot. Mm. They tend to try and stop you. Which means they're grabbing your weapon. Course, grabbing your weapon or whatever it is. Mm. To the other which guys... Which you've had. Which I've had happen. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Yep. Now, the other guys would mm. say, well, you need to be the expert in, in SmackDown. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's great. But for a limited exposure of that, like the amount of people that actually get caught in hand-to-hand combat and to just not gang up on people and to not use your weapon systems. Mm. And, you know, yes, we want to be experts, but we need to... We need to be able to streamline that so we don't need to take 20 years mm. to train someone to be an effective expert for something that's likely to be a very small percentage of what happens on, on the battlefield. Yeah. I mean, all battles, every, there's a reason there's such thing as long spears and, and crossbows and long bows. Everything is about distance and reach. How mm. can I affect the enemy at mm. long range? Which we were, we were particularly good at. We were particularly good at it. And, and what happened is that when you get very good at it mm. and you put weapons in people's hands mm. that, are, that have capability that you could only dream of in World War I. Mm. Like in World War I, I mean, you're walking around with weapon systems that, that you know, is what platoons needed to be on the ground to create the the effect that a, one soldier can have on the battlefield these days. Mm. You sometimes forget. Yeah, right. Mark nineteen on exactly. with a I mean, stabilized exactly. platform and laser sight system and it, it, to, to to do what a soldier can do on the battlefield a now. Away. Exactly. Mm. I think the ratio. The Germans are the ones who started with the um, beginning with new doctrine for mm. the uh, the stormtroopers, mm. if you like. Mm. Um, and I remember that at the start, their ratio was, you know, X amount of guns. I think it was uh, like a machine gun to 100 or something, mm. whatever it is. And that became a machine gun, one machine gun to 30. Mm. Like the, the ratios change, you mm. know, and the, mm. the mindset behind grenades and the mindset behind a machine gun being a, a core infantry weapon rather than a specialist weapon, mm. things like that, mm. has changed over time to the point now that, you know, most armies will put a rifle in someone's hand that can be automatic if, if it needs to be. Mm. So, um, yeah, and but a heavy, what happens we- heavy is weapon per twelve guys and a and, and, a, and a, a marksman rifle that has rifle. automatic capability and, yeah. a, and, a, and, and a, a marksman with a, a marksman per maybe six. You never know. Yeah. Exactly, it, it's tools tools for task. Yeah, you sometimes forget that the old school in the trench belt in mm. each other mm. with a entrenching tool mm. is still there when your weapon system right can't be used so let's talk about that mm. you walk through a you walk through a door yeah some people falsely claim that you no what what happened was cameron beard who i can say yeah. his name because guys run protected identity and when this story first came out it was a a commando mm. but it's it was cameron beard and mm. he's a, a victoria cross winner which mm. is again for the americans mm. that's uh, you probably know americans know that's it would be your um congressional medal of honor mm. winner um, he's a hero. He's a hero. He's a he's a, a fantastic. He was a hero when he was individual. alive. And, hero and, when he's alive yeah. and, and a hero in death. A, a great uh, a great individual. He was actually the uh, I was the team commander. He was my team two IC this this uh, in this battle. Mm. He went into a um, like a a low lying doorway thing mm. to clear it, mm. and basically got jumped. And uh, as he fell, sort of out. And, and he was clever, at like, I don't know how exactly he played out, but he was clever enough to sort of be pushed out or bring the guy out with him. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it now. And so, and I've sort of got up and, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot of commotion. And um, I wanted to shoot the fellow. Um, Would you come? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
can't do. But I couldn't. I couldn't guarantee a through and through shot. Like mm. I couldn't guarantee that. There's a couple. It's, it's incredible what goes through your head. One, I could mm. easily see that I can't guarantee that I don't shoot Cam. Mm. So I can't shoot him. Mm. Then and hit straight away. There's that. Just shoot him. There's that. That issue with that camp. See, I can't just shoot him. Not if you're there. Yeah, you're not, if you're not I, there, what the fuck would you? What the I fuck would you know? I, I couldn't just shoot him. Yeah. 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 Um, Mate, I, had the, I had the same thing in Somalia when a, a guy put a bloody weapon in my stomach and pulled the trigger, and everyone's like, for years later, they're like, why didn't you just shoot the guy? Um, because he had hold of my rifle. And, yeah. And my rifle was under his armpit. Yeah. And the and the round would have just gone sailing off into into nowhere. My section. Yeah, exactly. You know? So we fought. <laughs> you know, like we fought. I was seventeen. I was no, I was nineteen. Yeah. I fucking fought for my life with some. Somali guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um why didn't you just shoot him? Fuck yeah. the amount of times people have said that to me. It's, why don't I just shoot you, fucker? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, hey. It's like, yeah, no shit, that'd be great. We we're all yeah, wanting thanks. to just, that would have yeah, been a great yeah. thanks, thanks. Oh man. Thanks for your advice, Where man. You? Wish you were there. Where were you that night? Yeah. Damn it. Oh, you I'd... just come up and go, Hey JJ, just shoot him. Oh, Thanks, mate. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, Thank geez. you. It's just a skinny. Thanks yeah. for the heads up. Yeah. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah. Just tried to fucking shoot me in the stomach. <laughs> and the round was soft struck, by the way. And my barrel was under his arm. Yeah. So it didn't work out. Yeah. But no, damn it. That's, you're right. But you're <laughs> sitting here. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a positive thing. Or it just am goes I? to show. Or I don't actually know if this is real. Well, yeah. You want to get into fabric? This is where, where, this is where you and I are going to. This is where you and gonna I are going to do some string theory. Joe Rogan, if you're listening. We're up for the challenge, mate. We can do this. We can talk of Okay. Anyway, go back to it. You said um, you 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 and you, yeah, yeah. you so, Terry and Cam. Yeah, so No yeah, one, no so, one's gonna get that joke, are they? No. No. So I, I grabbed his um mm. arm and, and twisted his arm to sort of drag him off Cam yeah. and just cranked it. What jujitsu guys would call a kimura, what judo guys would call Uday Garami. Do you like that? See, there you go. Some some technical stuff. Some technical for you stuff. If, fighting if, nerds if, out there. If you like it. Um, anyway, funnily enough, people aren't into tapping. So if you're fighting for your life, you just keep fighting. So the dude's shoulder busted up mm. and, and so on meant nothing, which was interesting yeah, because right. I had an expectation of a certain behavior, which didn't happen. And that informed ah. the kinetic fighting program immensely. So that's a profound um, moment. That was a profound moment. Because you've done that to dudes all over the world yep. for fucking two decades. Yep. For three a, decades. Well, almost 40 years now. Or, but yeah. that's now. So you Back then, three decades. So you twist some guy in he, that position. He taps and it all ends. But this guy didn't. This guy didn't tap. Which is, when you hear this, you go, of course he didn't tap. Because he's trying to fight for his well, life. No shit he didn't tap. But you, you, you don't know. Your, your yeah. brain's ex- looking for something. Yeah. So I'm looking for, oh, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I was so crazy. How about I stop? Yeah. You know? No, he just keeps screaming. So I thought, righto, well, I'm going to need to, if I shut down the air to this guy's brain and mm. the blood supply, then mm. he'll stop. Mm. So I just went, well, fuck it, I'm strangling him. That's literally what I said mm. too. I just mm. yelled out, fuck it, I'm going to strangle him. And, and I strangled the guy. And he and fell what, unconscious. So what, what was that, a triangle behind, behind No, it was, it was more like a guillotine. It was, it's a nasty choke. Mm. I wasn't out to be nice to him. I just so what's that for, forearm over the throat? No, no, it's like a yeah forearm over the throat, and he was yep. sort of like head on. I just grabbed it and just put his head oh, into so the you're twisting basket in and half, crushed. Jesus, like this. oh yeah, it would have been fucking horrendous. Um, bear, I just want everyone to know that uh, I I have been choked out, like actually choked out by JJ a few times. Mm. So I'll give certificates if you want. So. One. So when he says he's like done Jean that LaBelle. to someone, <laughs> you want a, a, you want a, a choking out certificate, dude? It's it's, it's surreal a, when you start to pass out, isn't it? It's, it's a really fantastic it's actually when you wake up. It's it, the best, it is. It's the best like, rest ever. But I remember you said to me, I'm, "I'm gonna I'm gonna choke you out now." I was like, "Like fuck you are. I've got yeah. you. I've got you in a bloody. Well, I was on my back at the time, and I had mm. you had you in like a, a you know a half guard and all like, that. No, yeah, no. And, and then I woke up and, and everyone was standing around me. I was like. <laughs> He just yeah. choked me out, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Anyway, I'm, so, so that's, so, that's what happened. Yeah. So yeah, so you choked him out, and then, I mean, he was he was then you know plastic oh, cuffed it. and yeah, that's put it. through the system. You can do system. what you want to him. Yeah. 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 yeah but and he survived the day. I mean, what we did. I mean, it makes sense when someone's unconscious. Mm. I mean, if he had died, he would have died. But even okay, guys thought he, even no guys thought he was dead then. Yeah. But I was, mean, but we placky cuffed him and. Mm. And he did. He came to, and um, mm. he was a prisoner. It's all history now. Mm. Or if 
If you want to know the facts, go read the books. Chris Masters' books. Chris Masters is all over it. He's mm. got that's an amazing set of books, mm. or not set a book, mm. Mm. Um, because he's just basically oh, he, detailed. Like, yeah. what's bizarre? He about knows that? more about he knows more, more about, about all the, of our rotations than, than what the what, army does. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah. what was interesting about his book, you know, you 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 know pieces of someone's trip. Mm. But there's the details of that trip, which was the trip before your trip and then the trip after your trip. He knows it all. And this happened because of the effect that you had here and then these guys did this and now you went back here. Mm. Now you're back again and the reason this Mm. looked like this is, well, if you read these two rotations, you'll know why we ended up here. That's right, yeah. It's it's incredible. Bearing in mind that the guy, the, the lead um actor in the vikings is australian right bear that in mind for the Mm. next question Mm. does it sit well with you that people still refer to you now as australia's toughest man what's the actor got to do with it and i'm sure surely he's fucking tougher than you are he's a viking fuck everyone's tougher than me right now i've got my shoulders but does it sit does it does it does it does it does that title sit well with you or is it a bit tongue-in-cheek and 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 the fact of the matter is that you're you know i mean there's all you've taught me this. There's always someone better than you. Yeah, there's always someone. Yeah, better. someone bigger, better, stronger, tougher, whatever. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, you're the one changing the culture of the ADF. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that that's true. Mm. And the other thing too is that, um, you know, you could probably say that. Look, okay. To start with, it was a it it, it was a little bit when I first heard it Marketing. when it first came out. Yeah, mm. it's it's obviously news outlets saying something to create a little bit of uh, interest in their their product uh they're saying something to get people uh you know wanting to buy the newspaper sure okay so i get it but then later on i look at it and i think well you know does someone sit there with a, a gallantry medal and say oh hang on you know uh i had as guys do i had two guys with me that day who did exactly what I did or who mm. some this guy did that and I thought that was worth this and I'm the one who walked away with the gallantry award. You know, no. I mean, I, I can't control, and you said this to me, you can't control what people think of you or say about you. It's not your business. I'm not sitting here. As long as I don't sit here and say I'm Australia's toughest man, then it's up to other people to say what they say and it's, mm. it's probably good to have someone counteract the negative things that people have said about me. No, so yeah. you know whatever you know it's like it's not for me i would say it's uh, a media thing but also yeah who knows mm. like i mean what does tough mean um, yeah right you know what does it mean yeah. i mean I'm, I'm not a straight we've got a, we've got a mutual friend who i'm going to do a podcast with um anthony platter mm. and i mean you know platts you know platts mm. well and you know what what he went through and he he had a battle with post-traumatic stress and he you know, over years of medication and counselling and building himself back up physically and mentally, you know, I look at him, he's one of Australia's toughest men. Mm. Like, he is living living the life now. He loves it. You know, he's brilliant. And he's, mm. a, and he's, a, and he's a well-settled, attacked this thing head-on, something which is very difficult to get through, mm. you know, for me. Australia's I, toughest man. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think it's... A, it's, it's, an, it's you're right, though. It's a, it's a conjecture. It's it's difficult. What is that? What is it? You know, it's it's open to interpretation. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And I think, look, for me, uh, people who stand up for what's right mm. are, are tough people. Mm. Like, when you're... The system's against you and you're... Mm. However you want to look at it, maybe the whistleblower or whatever it is, mm. those people who stand up for what's right... Moral when courage. The momentum mm. of... Yeah, an organisation mm. is against you. Mm. Moral courage and standing up for what's right, mm. regardless of how that's affecting you there and then, is, is I would say now, in hindsight, mm. is a fantastic thing. There are things that I, I could have just... Uh, mm. Let roll. Buckle, buckled and let roll, mm. but I didn't. And I copped some stuff because of that. Mm. But right now... Mm. And you need to stand up stand for what's by, right. Stand and you need to stand by your convictions, mm, yeah. and that's what we're meant to be selected for. That's what mm. Um, mm. that's what we're fighting for. And I just don't just does does fighting. And I mean, for, you know, BJJ, and you know, I love all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm a big fan of Aikido as well, and mm. and you know, played around with judo when I was younger. It, is all that stuff? Does that help 
resilience? Is that something that can add to a person's own resilience by, you know, rolling around doing BJJ, you know, six nights a week and, and you know, getting the shit choked out of you and learning all these different positions and having to tap? And, and the humility that comes with, like I had one, <laughs> I had one of our guys in our platoon, Trini, you remember that? Mm-hmm. He had me tap out in about 30 seconds. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, dude, I could destroy this little dude. Nope. No. No, you can't because right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's talented. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, a, it's a humble thing when, you, when that happens to you. And I think it does create a sort of resilience, you know, you know, having – and I say it all the time, you know, you can't get fat from eating humble pie. And, and BJJ especially is something that dishes it up to you in lashings, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. But I also think um, you get the same thing from other martial arts that are done mm. correctly. Mm. Uh, judo is a, a martial art that it's 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 a it's a pounding thing. Like you've got a martial art that uses planet Earth as a weapon and and launches you into it. You Love know, it. Throw after yeah. throw, and um, yeah, right. you know it's it's you know that pounding is it's it takes something wrestling. You know. Mm boxing all these different things have their moments and you mentioned karate before mm, mm. you know i think a lot of people don't do karate mm. i mean if you look at okinawan mm. karate japanese karate however you want to look at it it's a real deal. people who do it for real mm. i think you know when you sit there and you're belting your fists and deforming your hands into walls and the the punishing and cracking into each other's arms that they're bruised like it's a very you against you type thing mm. and 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 again it's i think the problem with martial arts is like anything else it seemed to be something that has a strength and a power to it so what what are you going to get you're going to get weak people just like people who wear medals on anzac day who didn't earn them or never served in the army mm. or in the u.s you know they call it stolen valor mm. people do that mm. so if if you think that that's a little bit unsafe and a little bit weird and a little mm. bit crazy you're so that happens right. in martial arts oh well. it's even easier in martial arts mm. just go down to the shop and buy a black belt and put it on mm. you know so martial arts just has like like mm. so many people that mm. are full of shit mm. and you know they've got people who are who, who are not who are who want to actually do martial arts for what it offers mm. but maybe you've turned up to a place that is full of shit mm. no, right. and, and you yeah. walk away and you go well you identify it for what it is and you have no time mm. for it and you think martial arts is crap or you realise this is crap mm. and you go somewhere else or you get caught up in it. My son was, uh, what was he, seven when he got his yellow belt in karate um, and just the sense of achievement, you mm. know, for the little fella getting that carter and nailing it and then being presented that belt as a, you know, and that's something that, that sets him up for success for the future, you know. So you're yeah. talking about, we're talking about resilience in other ways, but I guess there's also resilience from a standpoint of, you know, here's something you've earned yourself. No one did that for you. You had to do that. But it's not just that you earned it. I think what's more important than earning a, a belt in martial arts for kids, I mm. think it's, it's a, first of all, it's a fantastic thing. So for me, the first recognition I ever got for something was a martial art belt. Mm. I never got recognition at school for anything. I never deserved it. I was mm. crap at school. I, I got moved around a lot when I was young. Mm. So I missed the informative years of education, which means that I didn't have the foundations to, mm. to learn from. And the momentum is there. You know, you're in the next year, the next year. And um, so I struggled with it. And, the, and I really did think I was crap. And martial arts was the first thing where I, I was acknowledged for achieving something. Mm. So it showed me that I wasn't crap and I could actually do something. So straight away, for me, great, martial arts did that. But I think what's more important and what people miss is that you do not turn up to a grading. Like, And if this does happen to you, by the way, if you just pay some money and turn up to a grading tomorrow because you paid money today, then leave that because that's not a martial art. It's just shit. Mm. But... The, what you're teaching people is about the concept of delayed gratification. Mm. That is a powerful tool. Mm. Um, something that's uh, an indicator so of success. So you know it's coming. You, but the thing so is, down the track. you might have a grading in three months' time. You have to do all this work mm. to achieve that grading. That's mm. delayed gratification. Yeah. You're not getting that belt tonight. Mm. 
you're going to get that belt if you're successful in mm. three months' time. Mm. But you need to do all this work to get that belt. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. That is a powerful thing. Mm. The greatest indicator, there's a thing called the marshmallow experiment. And basically, it, it's been proven, and there's plenty of writing on it, it's been proven to be the greatest indicator of success in children in later life. Now, oh, yeah, I've heard it's, about it's basically this. four-year-olds you can or have something one like now that. Or... One now, or you can have two in an hour's time. Mm. And the kids sit there and have to stare at it. And they Man. wiggle and twitch. I've got left and right of the spectrum on this one. Yeah. And now, yeah. those kids that could... Uh, now, look, I could be wrong. Someone go, oh, it was two hours, man, not one hour. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah no it's worries. a concept. We're talking it's about the concept. The concept, concept. yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me. The Warrior You podcast doesn't ago. make enough yeah. money yet to yeah. have a producer I, Googling I have, this shit uh, for us. Yeah, I don't have the the internet guy. Hey, we could Google. fake that. Hang on a second. Hang on. Hang on. Hey, Let's uh, fake it right Jono, now. can you just... Jono, can you check that just, out for just us? Just Google that for us, can mate. Can you Google that for us? Yeah, he's on it. But look, the fact of the matter, the book is actually in my bag right now. It's two. All right, there you go. There you go. Apparently it's two. Um, <laughs> but more than IQ, mm. more than all of the, the beliefs of, of uh, success in later life, that marshmallow test, mm. they followed those kids into oh, wow. later life and the kids that were able to hold off the two marshmallows mm. had more successful lives. Is that right? Through a whole range of indicators. Yep. Than the kids that so went for the eating a gelatin pig's hoof. Yep. Early and being able to early is an indicator, is an indicator of, of being a loser, of not being as successful. Okay. I would just say a loser, eat, just but eat paleo. well, like. not not being a loser because some of those mm. kids. It's interesting because they looked at demographics as well, mm. and some of those kids come from a upbringing mm. um, where everything's tight and if you don't have it now it's going to be taken Jesus. from you yeah so those kids go well i would need to grab it now because mm. there's if that sits there my brother or this guy or that guy will take it mm. so they want that now yeah. um that's not their fault that's a, that's their environment yeah. it just goes yeah, to show yeah. you how important to have an environment that so that brings me back to the original thing. Mm. Martial arts is teaching kids about delayed gratification. Mm. That is why it is so important mm. not to destroy what it's actually meant to be, which is learn skill sets. And over time, if you can prove those skill sets to be of a standard, you'll be rewarded for it rather than water it down and give people instant gratification mm. and shit because, oh, yeah, that's a great marketing tool. Yeah, it is a great marketing tool, but you're destroying the, what this thing is actually meant to be doing for people. What is and a, you just what turn is, it into uh, another another crappy little product. Man, I just had this thing jump in my head. What does a black belt represent to you? Mm. If someone's got a black belt, what does it okay, represent? Okay, well, sort of in the Japanese context, uh, Japanese martial art context, a black mm. belt, the, the initial term for Japanese, and I'll, I'll talk Japanese because that's the majority of my martial art experiences with Japanese martial arts. Uh, I have obviously a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt uh, with Sean Shark Machado over at um, uh, Stewie's House of BJJ in uh, Bendigo as well. And I have a Taekwondo black belt, which is Korean. Is that right? I did not know the Taekwondo one. I have a Taekwondo black belt, which I did back in, like probably like um, you mentioned Joe Rogan, he did Mm. Taekwondo initially as well. Did he? I did it back in the day before it was an Olympic sport and Mm. people used to kick like mules. Today it's. I was going to say I is, can't. It is a different. Although it is a different. You game do move today. like a ten-year-old, even though you're a big unit. I do yeah. say that to people like, occasionally. Like Yoda, yeah. I hobble teach onto you the mat will. and then teach you I will. Yeah. Um, so, so the black belt it represents. Yeah. So the black belt, uh, the the term for the first level, mm. is not first level. It's not. Uh, it's actually beginner level. So mm. shodan. Mm. And then it says Nidan, Sandan, Yondan. So second, third, fourth. But the first level is Shodan, which doesn't mean first level. It's not Ich Dan. Mm. First level, it's Shodan, which is beginning level. It's mm. the. Yeah, so it depends on which martial art. Goju Ru has different katas to Shodakan. And that's because they come from different. Mm. The, the influence of those martial arts are different locations in Okinawa. Mm. Shodakan was actually um, uh, Funakoshi Sensei who founded the Shotokan mm. is the fellow who, who brought 
Karate from Okinawa to Japan mainland. I was going to say it was Bob so, Jones that brought it to Australia as a as a fad, but what he's Zendu Kai, wasn't he? He's he he was originally Goju Kai. Uh, so that's the Japanese Goju group under yeah. Yamaguchi. He was legit, wasn't he? Actually, he, he was a legit for his time. Uh, I believe a legit black belt mm. in Goju Kai. Mm. He just created an organization and just, mm. uh, I guess, branded it, leveraged off the excitement of mm. the martial arts back mm. in the 70s yeah. into the 80s. About the time when Karate Kid came out. <laughs> Even before then, Bruce Lee, you're talking um, Bruce Lee time and so forth and mm. the excitement of martial arts and mm. back then it's hard to explain. It was mm. like crazy, you know. So, so, the, so the black belt represents... Like commitment, doesn't it? It's a it represents commitment. It depends on the martial arts. In Brazilian mm. jiu-jitsu, it's different again. Brazilian mm. jiu-jitsu, it's almost representative of a of a fundamental mastery. Of, it's a big deal of the art. Yeah, it it it's, takes over a decade. It takes a long time. Mm. And that's not <coughs> that's Whereas not having done it a couple of times. That's six days a week for a decade. Uh, I mean, it depends. But mm. yeah, it's a lot. Ten years is considered to be yeah. pretty quick. I mean, I've got mates who are what purple belts. Yeah, they would be. They could be doing that for eight years. And they are good. <laughs> oh yeah, purple. Yeah. Purple is a a, a pretty senior player mm. of jujitsu. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so purple's. A good I mean, if player. you roll in off the street, you know, to learn it, mm. a a an instructor that's putting you as a not even a white belt up against you know one of those first belts, he's putting you in danger. In BJJ, oh, in 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 BJJ, that's what people don't. You realize. can turn up to a place and be new at the game, and another white belt with a couple of tags on his belt is, is going to kick your butt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now maybe you've got some physical attributes. Maybe you have a background in uh, mm. judo or mm-hmm. or uh, wrestling. It's not going to be the case. You're going to be able to apply those skill sets to those beginner mm. sort of guys, and it'll mm. take people more experienced mm. to stop you. Mm. But, but they will. But if you're just yeah. if you've never done ground fighting, then guys who have got some tags on their white belt will, mm. will slow you down. Yeah. And and look, BJJ is much more popular now. Like mm. um, yeah. when I started, it was um, in the uh, mid mid to early nineties. It wasn't really. A and Jean Jacques yeah. Machado was a f- yeah. It was his first seminar in Australia. Look, we didn't even know what it was to be mm. honest. Like I I just remember that uh, the first UFCs were coming out with uh, Hoist Gracie fighting. Mm. And the reason we did BJJ was not because of, I mean, we didn't, I don't think we even called it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu then. It was called Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. Um, and the well, reason... You trained with those guys, didn't you? I, I trained with uh, several of the guys, mm. but, uh, and my instructors were like, you know, um, linked in with them directly. Mm. But um, it was... Um, It was because we wanted to be good at fighting. Mm. Um, it wasn't called mixed martial arts back then. It was called no holds barred. Mm. And we wanted to this new sport that a lot of people just called violence. They didn't call it a sport. Mm. Um, to me, it just made B- sense. BJJ is the CrossFit of fighting. Yeah, it, it probably is actually. It's got it's got everything in it. It's 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 interesting. It's that's it's, a bad that's a bad analogy. Yeah, but you know what I mean. People live it like a lifestyle. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not something you're just going to do. A no, couple of it days becomes a, week. a lifestyle. It's so popular. So yeah. many people do it now. Mm. So look, back then, only fighters did it, mm. and everyone just ridiculed it, and they ridiculed you for doing it for fighting on the ground. Well, for fighting on the ground. Which, strangely just, enough, is where most of the shit ends up. Yeah, they just they would get stuck into you, but. Mm. The thing is, the reason the fighters were interested in it is not so much for the art because we didn't know anything about it. Mm. It was the fact that these guys who did this art were beating people up. And mm. it was like, we need to learn this if mm. we're going to be good. And you never really thought of yourself to start with as a jiu-jitsu guy mm. because it was like, no, I just need to it's learn these skills. an extension of mm. other, other things that you did. But then you sort of become... You know, a jiu-jitsu guy, you know. And now I can't even tell you what I am. I mean, mm. jiu-jitsu is a foundation in the actual meaning of the word jiu-jitsu. Mm. There's a lot of uh, sort of aiki in, in not in the magical mm. um, religious um, overtone of aikido, if you like, but for more the concept of aiki, which which I relate to more how Brazilian jiu-jitsu people like Hicks and Gracie will talk about hidden hidden jiu-jitsu mm. um to me it fits more that sort of context yeah right um and and kudo which um 
you know, I run for Australia. I'm the branch chief for Australia with Kudo Dodajuku, which is a martial art in its own right. Th- those couple of things, uh, the Gokushinru stuff for me and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, with Jean-Jacques and the Kudo Dodajuku mm. are sort of the three areas that I play around with now. Some of the, some of the stuff I like watching you do is the, you know, especially the wrist locks using yeah. your body weight in weird positions against them. So it's like, it's not a, it's not a wrist lock where you've got your hands manipulating their wrist. It's like they've got their hand around you and you're using your shoulder to, to curl their wrist up or things like that. And it's just things that you don't at the level that most of us are at. It's like, you wouldn't have even thought of using your thigh to lock this guy's wrist up. It's interesting. I'm I'm, I'm fortunate. There's a science to it. There's a science to it. But the thing is, it's a lot of, uh, I've just been playing with it a lot. I've, I've um, you know, we talk about eight black belts. Three of them are in three different styles of Aikido. Mm. So Tamiki Aikido, competition Aikido, Yoshinkan Aikido, which is taught to Tokyo Riot Police. It's very sort of structured. And also Gokushimaru, which is um, mm. Yosekan, if you like, a, an old term of a jiu-jitsu term. Um, and that school has always been a, a sobudo, sort of like a combination of judo karate and aikido Mm. so you know for me bjj allows wrist locks so you know like john danaher mucks around with the leg locks and a system systemized version or structure of leg leg locks Mm. i'm i'm working heavy into wrist locks because it's something that i can do very well Mm. and it's just sort of sneaks up on people they don't expect it so i play a bit with wrist locks it's sort of my little niche where where would you be where would you be now without fighting in your life? Yeah, that's a very good question and I'm not disappointed that I do what I do, but it's not the thing I would have done. Mm. So um I did it because I was consumed by like, you know, bullies and, and everything else. Instead of you know what, it's an interesting thing. Here's here's something for you. Bullies took my life. Now not in a way that I committed suicide over it. Like, mm. you know, you hear about kids and stuff. Mm. But my whole life is dedicated to learning how to deal with bullies. Mm. I mean, it's funny how what happens to you as a child mm. becomes who you are. Like, it can be, it can just define you. And and look, going to the army was because, well, what's how do these modern martial arts work? And all this sort of stuff is... You know, it really did define me. This need to protect myself has mm. put me where I am now. Mm. But luckily enough, the person I am now is how I communicate that information. Yeah. I've always been the person I am now, but my skill set, my expertise is in martial arts and and close hand-to-hand combat and, mm. and close weapon sort of stuff. Mm. What would I have done if I didn't have the experience of bullies? Well, I'd be the same person I am now, but I think I would be sitting across from you and talking to you about physics or quantum theory because I absolutely love science. I'm, mm. I'm sick for it. I love space and, and, um, and, and you know, the cosmos and, and, and all of this stuff. Um, the problem is that, um, it, you know, because of what happened to me and, you got and taken down disrupted, disrupted my education and mm. everything else, mm. yeah, I wasn't able to, to go down that line, but... If you ask me what fascinates me, I, I'm, I, I just find, you know, this this whole quantum mechanics, quantum physics, mm. this whole like I can just sit there for hours and mm. suck that stuff up, and 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 I sit there and watch things about Einstein, and mm. I'll sit there and watch shows and what you know Einstein being interviewed and his theories on this, and I just, funnily enough, I just love science. Mm. So. so- Anyway, we'll slowly wrap it up. What are you working on at the moment and where can people find you? Uh, At the moment, there's a lot going on at the moment, but what I'm trying to do is get um, back into dealing with um, the programs that we originally had for the general community, for Mm. them to learn about Mm. dispelling fear and and, and so forth. We spend a a lot of our time with uh, government agencies Um, I'm fortunate to be in that space where you know these guys were setting them up for success, mm. but the the thing is that I've always had this passion to help people deal with the stuff I guess that affected me when I was young. I'd rather if you don't look if you love martial arts and you want to be involved in martial arts, fantastic. Mm. 
I would say to you that I hope it's not because you feel you need to defend yourself. It's because you just want to do it. I was talking to Nick Caldwell last week. Um, you know, you know Nick from over in SAS. He runs the the mill. He's a good fighter as well, and enjoys the training. But I was talking to him about putting a few dudes together and doing a podcast. Maybe four of us, couple of couple of his mates, couple of my mates, IAU, and talking about how we can future proof kids, stop them from being bullied. Would you mm. be up for that? Yeah, sure. Get us all together and have a bit of a symposium, and you know, talk about you know strategies that we think kids can adopt to not being bullied and, and half of that i think is first of all being resilient you know kids yeah i mean it's it's easy to be resilient when you're not being punched in the face obviously um, but we should sit down and nut that out we could nut it out i mean i've got some answers for you mm. um it's not always violence mate no the answer is violence <laughs> like like you know look people listening program oh but the fact is that Teach your kids to stand up for themselves. And um, at the moment, what we do now is we, if you stand up to bullies, mm. you are equal to that bully. Mm. And you're deemed to be, you know, inappropriately mm. um, using violence at school. But we'll sit back and uh, the victims and people who kill themselves and the kids who kill themselves, oh, oh those poor little tackers. Mm. Well, okay, how about you grab your kid and say, look, when this kid's nasty and he punches you, punch him back mm. and stare him down guess what you that, that's how you deal with bullies. yeah let's get let's get together and that's you know, my four, take on it anyway let's get the four of us together and 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 people can come on this sort of learning journey with us because mm. obviously i've got a different opinion on that you've got your opinion nick's got his punch him back um yeah i mean i think the younger you get the kids to call it out for what it is the easier it is to change the behaviour of the bullies. That's just my opinion. But we can talk. We can I'll tell you that. something else, though. It's mm. an interesting subject. Mm. A lot of those it kids are probably suffering a bit of a violent time right. themselves. Yeah. And so it's the language that they speak. Mm. So, mm. you know, I think recognising it mm. for what it is, mm. I think that's, that's something worth talking about mm. as well. Can 4SF guys solve school bullying? Uh, no. You reckon? No. Too systemic? I don't think four of us. It's going to go guys, kinetic. It's going to it's going to get weird. I mean, four <laughs> four of us in a room together. Maybe if you've got enough wine. All right. Let's see if I can set it up. All right. Okay. Paul Carl, um, J- uh, JJ, Ramwell, Jack Jones, Jack Jones. I'm Jack Jones, bitch. All right. It's Matt Ricks out. Catch. Hey gang, if you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and give us a five star review. It makes a huge difference to us being noticed out there. If you'd like to support the podcast, please contribute on the Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com forward slash warrior you. There's different tiers of membership and some exclusive rewards in return. I promise you will love the perks. Go to patreon.com forward slash warrior you for more details. Next week on the show. A sense of purpose, but it drove uh, an emotional connection to that sense of purpose to where every night our actions kind of uh, based on that dictated exactly how we were going to uh, conduct the operations yeah and so we were we were we were really aggressive really violent and we had no mercy when it came to you know you know getting on target and making sure we were taking care of business because at that time period you know bad guys were fighting uh for their lives and you know we, we didn't show any mercy obviously as in war but yeah man it's Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.